Welcome to yet another episode of Transition Seeker, people. Thanks for coming. It's, I really appreciate your uh, engagement in this program. I'm Russell, your host for Transition Seeker, where we try to find critical and creative responses to pop culture. And I had uh, pause to think about uh, the title of this program recently, Transition Seeker. Um, I was looking at, um, I came upon a, a quote in this collection of uh, Zen sayings, Zen being that interesting offshoot of uh, Buddhism that uh, I'm quite a fan of, actually. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for anything Zen, the word Z-E-N, and whenever I see it, uh, I, I tend to be attracted to it, and uh, I'll buy something. I bought these, this book of Proverbs, for example, and uh, the quote is from that painter, Pablo Picasso, um, and good old Pablo said in this um, collection, I do not seek, I find, and I have to admit it kind of threw me off a little bit. Mm, is it better to seek or is it better to find or is it better to seek? It, uh, it's a bit of a problem I've been going over, so I'm going to throw that out to you. Think of it as your Cohen for the day or for the week, Cohen being K-O-A-N, if you don't know what it means, look it up. But I thought I'd start the program with that thought. I do not seek, I find. Think about it. Uh, what have we got for the program today? I'm going to, besides the usual uh, wacky new adventures, I'm going to look at um, using your printer. I just bought a, I just bought a, uh, a some new printer ink um, for reasons I'll explain in a, shortly going to be looking at um, great uses for your printer and or, and or why on earth would you even be bothering these days in this free virtual world where we don't print anymore do we I'm going to explore that whole thing and I'm going to look at another genre today in fact it's a sort of a series of genres um, more to do with film and television drama especially centered around things like drama and and that, that concept we might call plot different plot types story types uh, there's lots of interesting things to say about that within the entertainment genre that i'd like to go over with you um because i think the sort of stories that we pay attention to that we're interested in are worth thinking about worth contemplating and uh, it's just good film theory if you like it really helps with with film appreciation put it that way um, it's pretty much me, the media studies teacher, coming out there and uh, like to educate you a little bit about that in case you need it, and you always do need it. Either way, it hopefully will be distraction for you from all that stuff that's going on around you at the moment with the boomer remover stuff, which I don't want to talk about. I'm not going to talk about. So let's move on to new adventures in pop culture in a sec. Be back. Okay, it feels like I've got a lot to go through uh, this week with my new adventures. I'm going to try and make it as short as possible, but I particularly want to introduce a few new uh, criteria that we might use for selecting our pop culture. Uh, those criteria are namely price, availability, and currency, because without them, I probably wouldn't have anything to talk about with my new adventures. Um, the reason why I, I, I talk about these items 
is simply because they are very, very current and often this comes down to price because uh, I get things cheap and uh, that price is particularly uh, a really crucial criteria when you think about it in terms of what we consume because uh, often we'll only consume things when uh, the price is right. Uh, for example, Pearl Jam have got a new album out after seven years. It's called Gigaton, but I haven't bought it yet. And the reason why is because it's too damn expensive. Uh, I checked it out online to see what how much it's going for at JB Hi-Fi. And um, the only things available are like this really expensive sort of cardboard cover CD that's about $43. Uh, I just want the... the bog standard jewel case version guys so why are you giving me this this um super mega slapdash um arty sort of cover art it's just um, of course i may uh, uh succumb and get it anyway but um you know i, I just want to pay 20 25 bucks guys i shouldn't need to pay more than that and it, the only other thing is, is the, the lp version which is even more expensive so um, i'm going to hold off on that for the time being, I don't know how long. It's very strange when you think about it with Pearl Jam. This is the band that campaigned so hard about uh, ticket prices, concert prices back in the 1990s, and uh, I think they lost that war. Um, but I thought they were a bit more conscious about that sort of thing. But, oh, well, never mind. Uh, but what I did buy was uh, a box set of a fabulous anime series called Samurai Champloo, an old one from uh, the early 2000s, um, made by that man, Sinihiro Watanabe, who before that did the fabulous Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo's another series set in Edo period Japan, um, featuring the, the adventures of these three characters, Fu, Mugen, and Jin, out on a journey to Nagasaki to, um, to find, uh, the, the female character Fu's, um, father, who is the man who smells of sunflowers. That's the whole premise right there. And, uh, fantastic little show. And, and I managed to pick it up at a, a local secondhand dealer very, very cheap. And that was the reason why I did, I guess, because it was so damn cheap price. And that other thing, availability, were important criteria for me and why I picked that up and why I'm talking about it now. Um, because it was available. I happened to have it there. If it hadn't have been available, I, I probably wouldn't have bothered. But um, opportunity strikes and, and there it went. And it got me thinking, actually, uh, about my trigger point in terms of price. What point... Well, I buy something. What point won't I buy something? It got me, yeah, it got me thinking about these uh, trigger point... What is my trigger point in terms of price? I think we all have one. Um, and it doesn't just apply to our consumption behavior. It can apply to other emotional responses. Um, we can have a trigger. gets us angry, obviously. And uh, it's good to know these things, I think, uh, in order to control them. And obviously, the best way to control one's consumption behavior is not to shop. Um, and that's fairly easy to do at the moment, really, um, to um, apply today's quote. You can't find something if you don't go out to seek it. Um, but the way I look at it is um, if we do not seek, maybe we find peace. We need perhaps to be less materialistic that way and maybe that's what old Pablo Picasso was talking about there uh, in the intro that I mentioned. But in some ways on a similar tact or at least in terms of language uh, there's a thing called currency that also applies here. Not currency as in money but something that is current and that is often the thing 
that drives us when we're buying things or when we're consuming. Uh, we consume whatever happens to be around at the moment that comes out like the latest Pearl Jam album or a new film. But it doesn't have to be something new, does it? It, it can be something old. It can be um, something like the Samurai Champloo uh, box set that I picked up. just happened to come into your orbit, therefore it becomes current, uh, which is why I guess my new adventure rants tend to be all over the place, a bit seem to be random, though I would argue there's a system at work. For example, I'm about to talk about um, an old Paul McCartney and Wings album, and the reason I'm going to do that is because um, it's one of the final albums in my LP digitization project that I've been doing for years. Um, it was one of the last ones that I got to uh, record on my computer and make a CD out of um, the original LP copy, and uh, and that's why I'm talking about it today. It's it had become current through that system, and so onto the album it was uh, the Red Rose Speedway album of 1973. Um, a slightly maligned album, really. I guess in some ways it's because it's the album that came out just before the Band on the Run album uh, for McCartney and Wings, a, a really successful album for Paul and the gang. And and Red Rose Speedway was not so successful. It had the one single, My Love. But it was generally considered as a fairly weak album. But um, And I hadn't really listened to it before. Um, it was an old second-hand copy that I picked up long ago, and I never really got around to checking it out until now. And I actually find it's not a bad album. It's, it's got a lot of album tracks, I would say. Um, and they're not bad album tracks. Um, there's, there's only really that one single. Maybe uh, the opening track, Big Barn Red, is a fairly catchy tune. Um that song, My Love, of course, features the, the really superlative guitar solo from uh, Wings member Henry McCulloch, though he left the band shortly before uh, they, they recorded the um, Band on the Run album. Him and the drummer, Denny Sewell, um, sort of jumped ship just before uh, McCartney and his wife Linda and Denny Lane travelled off to Laos to record Band on the Run um, I guess they didn't want to go to Laos, but um, yeah, it was their their um, loss, I guess, because um, that album, Band on the Run, really took off for them. And fun personal fact, my very first album I ever bought as a youngster was Band on the Run by uh, The Wings. And anyway, just thinking about uh, Red Rose Speedway, um, it, it ends with a, a medley of tunes. It's actually titled Medley, and it's got a bunch of tunes, three or four, four or five songs um, together, which puts me in mind of the uh, side two, I guess, of um, the Beatles' Abbey Road album, the, the medley section there. Maybe Paul was trying to emulate that, but I have to say he doesn't quite pull it off as well as they did on the, on Abbey Road, um, one of the great album sides, I, I would suggest. Um, though side one's not too shabby either, that album. That ends with a, a pretty good song, though, I think, a song called... Um, Power Cut, which I quite enjoy, though. I feel um, good old Paulie sort of missed uh, an opportunity with there with a song. It's a little bit um, – could do with a little bit of modulation towards the end there. There's a line that goes, um, baby, I love you, baby, I And it's kind of a bit monotone. And I think he could have added a bit, something more like, uh, baby, I love you, baby, I need you so. Um, something like that, I think. It's a suggestion I've got for old Macca, for Paulie. Um, very presumptuous, I know, but um, it occurred to me when I was listening to it. Um, you could have done better, Paulie. Yes. 
And I might include my version of that at the end of this podcast, so stick around, we'll see. Having said that, though, I have to say, Macca does really sing his heart out on this this album. Really, really fine, fine singing. So anyway, that's Red Rose Speedway. Um, I'd give it a three and a half out of five, Paul. Not, not, not a bad effort. The next one was much better. I'll be back in a sec. Welcome back, Transition Seeker with Russell. I'm thinking um, this segment might come under the title of uh, Fun Creative Pop Culture Ideas to Do at Home While Self-Isolating. Now, some of you may have printers at home, uh, probably inkjet printers. They seem to be the most popular, cheapest ones as opposed to the much more expensive laser printers. Um and they are still going, they're still selling. Uh, I just was reading a, an article about them today. Um, it's still an industry that, that is booming, strangely enough, both commercially and privately. The big issue, of course, with, with uh, inkjet printers, of course, anyone who's got one knows, is the price of those damn ink cartridges. Um, sometimes they seem to be more than the actual printers themselves. In fact, um, I stopped using mine for quite a while there. I stopped buying those damn ca- cartridges in, in a form of protest against the damn price of them. I was doing all my printing at office, my local office works, and uh, um, it's the reason why I've gone back to my printer and actually bothered to buy some more uh, printing cartridges. Simply the uh, my stimulus money came through from the government uh, the other day, the 750 that we're getting here in Australia, some of us who are on um, unemployment benefit and so forth. And uh, so, you know, I thought I'd do the right thing. Uh, it's a stimulus money. I'm supposed to go out and spend it, despite the fact that we're also supposed to be all staying at home. Um, sort of mixed messages there. But some of the shops are still open. Um, Officeworks itself was, was open, uh, and, and I managed to get a nice uh, three cartridge pack from them for my Canon printer, which included two uh, black cartridges, one color. Um, which is always very handy because you use up the black a lot more than you do the, the color. Um, though if you frugal with your printing, um, you can actually make them last a, a fair while. I'm going to give some tips about that. But also, by the way, I'll, I also bought, um, a laminating machine while I had this ready money to spend. Uh, uh, I wanted a laminator for a long time. And so I decided to take this opportunity to get one. So I've got a couple of things there that, uh, will give me something to do, I guess, in, in uh, these quite weeks and months don my animal themed onesie and uh, get my chips and coffee and um, have some fun and the possibilities are quite large you can actually go from you know printing out high quality images whatever it may be uh, maybe maybe family photos on nice uh, photo quality paper um, which of course you could then use your wonderful laminating machine to laminate 
Or you can go the other end and just print out just bog standard text or just cheap uh, labeling. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm really planning on doing for the next uh, few days or weeks, whatever it may be, just to get some use out of my printer and laminator. Because I went through a phase of um, burning lots and lots of uh, films onto DVD back in the days. We had DVD burners. But there was a time when I, when I used to do that, and I, and I generated a lot of um, fantastic, illicit, mind you, films, TV shows I recorded off TV, put them on DVD, and I wanted to have um, <coughs> covers for them, basically. And uh, I'm figuring this is a good chance to do that, Um so I've been diligently uh, downloading uh, movie poster images from the internet. Some of the films I've got, you know, Bad Day at Black Rock, uh, Anna Karenina, the uh, Garbo version, Age of Consent, featuring uh, Helen Mirren and her breasts, uh, hmm. Annie Hall, Woody Allen, It Came From Outer Space, classic sci-fi um journey to the center of the earth the james mason version uh, my goodness francois truffaut's jules and jim i have a slew a slew of films that i have uh recorded uh, either burnt illicitly from library copies or just recorded off the tv and uh a lot of this, of course, is now redundant with streaming technology and all the rest of it. Uh, but no, I don't do it so much. Um, now I'm just concentrating on printing out these lovely covers. And a lot of people will be familiar with the sorts of software programs they can use that have sort of ready-made templates to make whatever it is they're doing, whether it's cards or, or letters or um, CDs or DVDs. Um, they're already nicely pre-formatted with registration lines to cut along. On your printed out A4 paper, um, I sh shouldn't need to go into them. Uh, Nero was one of the programs, but there are lots of others. So just get one of them and use them. Um, for myself, when I'm doing the DVDs, I always um, print them out using just a simple CD format that's square format rather than the full C DVD format. You don't need to really when you think about it. They're just going to be going into little pockets or little CD wallets anyway because they're the same size as a CD. Um, and saves on space, saves on um, ink. And, and with that in mind, it's always a good idea to try and get uh, an image that's as white as possible when you're doing these things. There was much white on them rather than using up too much black. Uh, one way you can do that if you've got an image that's got a lot of, that's very dark using black backgrounds, you can reverse the image. Um, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Lots of graphic programs that have an invert uh, tool or these um, card printing software programs often if you right click on your image they'll have a tool right there for you already but that's another thing you can do you can also reduce your image it doesn't have to be the full size when you think about it, depending on what you want to use it for if you're going for high quality and you want to print out like a nice large picture of a you know your, your lovely baby or something like that then obviously you're going to go and use up a lot of ink and uh, get a full-size image and uh, use high quality paper if that's the way you want to go and this is where having a laminator certainly comes in handy because inkjet ink uh, does tend to fade and uh, if you can laminate your image it will tend to fix the image and stop it from fading so that's always a good little tip right there and the other thing of course is uh, once you've got your print out if it's something that needs to be cut out i certainly wouldn't recommend using scissors the best way to go is if you have one of those nice sort of hard uh, plastic 
uh, chopping boards uh, plus a, um, a metal ruler and um, a box cutter is uh, will get you give you the best results for nice straight lines. Um, it's kind of fun thing to do. It's just nice busy works so that are very therapeutic. I find the whole thing is pretty enjoyable, really. From way to go, um, lots of fun in my opinion. Especially a good thing to do at the moment while we're all self isolating. That was the whole point of this this segment. I hope you got something out of it. Um, there was a bit of a diversion there into the um, DVD burning technology, which may not have been relevant too much, but uh, you know, I threw it in for free. Um, so let's move on to the next segment in a sec. Okay, here I am with another uh, segment about the genres. I'm going to talk about uh, ones that particularly pertain to uh, film, I guess. The ones I especially want to look at will be horror, uh, crime, and um, also the different uh, types of story plots that are encountered in films in pretty much any genre, but particularly in more sort of realistic social dramas. Um, very, very useful to have some background in, in the genre and for your own film viewing interest and um, education, I suppose. Uh, there's a lots of interesting things to discover about these things, and I got a lot of this information from a book called Story uh, by a man called Robert McKee, who's a fairly well-known figure in uh, in screenwriting and screen and film critic circles. And Story is a very sort of influential book uh, where he outlines um, the sorts of machinations that occur within stories in film and other narrative genres. Lots of useful information, and uh, let's get straight into it. Um, horror is one of those uh, genres that that can actually be broken down into three particular sub-genres, as McKee uh, explains it. Uh, he, he splits them into three, um, uncanny, uh, supernatural, and super uncanny. Fabulous terms, I think. Um, uncanny basically means a, horror, a film where horror elements are subject to what you might call rational explanations, such as actual murderers or even aliens. The film Alien, the Ridley Scott, is even what we'd call an uncanny. That's a very strange um, creature, that xenomorph. Um, it would be classed as an uncanny because... I guess there is a, an outside possibility that such a creature could exist, which alone scares the shit out of me, that thought. Anyway, um, and other films like the Scream franchise would be another example. Well, you've got uh, your garden variety, psychopath murderers, all those classic uh, 1970s, 1980s films like Halloween also uh, are in the uncanny subgenre. Moving to supernatural, where you've got actual horror, horror elements that are subject to actual irrational explanations, such as ghosts. The um, <coughs> paranormal activity films would, would fall into that category, I suppose. Um, Pretty scary films. I think the first one and the third one I thought were particularly uh, chilling. But yeah, that's supernatural. And then you have super uncanny, which kind of a, is a combination of both. The reader or the audience is, is kept guessing between both possibilities. Examples might be um, the film The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick film uh, based on the Stephen King novel. In my opinion, a fairly overrated film, though clearly an important one in the genre. And another one, uh, probably one of my all-time favourite horror films, The Haunting, the uh, 1963 Robert Wise film based on the Shirley Jackson novel, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, I think it was called. Definitely one, an awesome film, which would f probably fit into the super uncanny. 
uh, possibly crossing over into actual supernatural. It's a little bit hard to classify that one, but really great film. There's a very inferior um, remake done much later, but uh, if you can get hold of the original Rob Wise, The Haunting, wow. Um, so that's an interesting uh, um, genre there, horror. I'd like to move now into uh, crime, because crime also splits into interesting sub-genres depending on the point of view that they are following, according to Mr. McKee, which I never really thought about before, but yeah, it makes sense. Um, so what we've got is is if you've got a, a film where the where it's following the a master detective, if it's from his point of view or her point of view, then it's what we call a murder mystery. If it's from the pr- criminal's point of view um, or ga- a gang of um, misfits who are trying to commit a crime, then it's what's called a caper. Example of that would be the um, Ocean's Eleven films, I suppose. Um, then it's from the point of view of a, a cop or um, a private eye, I guess. Um, it might be a detective uh, film. And if it's from the, the victim's point of view, then we've got you're in thriller territory, um, born identity, uh, a whole bunch of other films um, where we actually feel for the, the person who's being persecuted. And uh, there's so many of those that fit into that particular genre. And if it's from a lawyer's point of view, then um, we, we're in what we call a courtroom drama, I suppose. Um, and from a spy's point of view, then we've got espionage. We're talking James Bond and those sorts of films. Um, and that's an, just an interesting way of looking at your basic crime. There are different types of crime, and uh, they fit into those different categories depending on the point of view that's being told from. Think about that when you're watching those films. Um, and you can impress and astound your friends at uh, the next party that you get to attend. I want to move into uh, different plot permutations now because this is really kind of interesting uh, because it applies to cross genres, really. Um, every genre is telling a story. It has a plot. And McKee uh, identifies uh, different types of plots for you. Um, for example, what he calls a maturation plot, which might be called a coming-of-age story. Uh, where you've got um, a character learning something about themselves or growing into who who they will become. Um, films like Stand By Me or even Bambi would, would fit into those sorts of uh, stories. Even uh, look at Star Wars, the original Star Wars, um, the story of Luke Skywalker is in many ways a, a coming-of-age story. Um, and we'll come back to Star Wars again, I think, in, in some of this discussion, uh, because there's lots of other different plots within the, the, the franchise. Um, another one's a redemption plot. Uh, the, the story may turn on, on a moral change within a main character. Going from bad to good, uh, again, that takes us back to, uh, Star Wars. That's clearly the story of Darth Vader, I suppose, in the original three, um, Star Wars films where he's redeemed in the end. Um, that's a redemption plot right there. And again, the other the way, you've got a punitive plot, which uh, is the opposite. A uh, good guy turns bad there again. That's Darth Vader in a nutshell, or Anakin Skywalker, rather, in a nutshell, in the, the reboot series, uh, starting with The Phantom Menace, um, where he starts out good and, and turns evil turns to the dark side it's a punitive plot there another one's a testing plot um stories of willpower versus temptation to surrender um such as forrest gump cool hand luke's another one um where a character is tested um and they either pull through or, or they end up succumbing 
Um, cool Hand Luke's an interesting one because I think it it borrows significantly from I think the life of Christ. He's kind of has this Jesus kind of self-sacrifice thing going there with with Cool Hand Luke. There's a lot of little details there referencing that, and of course the life of Christ is clearly one of the most famous of all testing plots when you think about it, it's a testing plot story and other ones that I guess are similar would be an education plot where your character learns something about themselves um, Harold and Maud would be a favourite one for me but Key gives some really nice examples of this from the sports genre which he highlights as a crucible for character change it's a natural home for things like the maturation plot Films like North Dallas 40, a redemption plot, um, somebody up there likes me, or an education plot, Bull Durham, one of my favourite all-time films, the Kevin Costner baseball film. Um, yes, the punitive plot, Raging Bull, the Scorsese, um, yes, which could also in some ways be a redemption plot in some ways. Is he redeemed in the end or not? Uh, this is the question. Then there's the, the testing plot within a sports Genre, the chariots of fire might be an example, uh, a disillusionment plot, the loneliness of the long distance runner. And it even fits into things like social drama where you've got uh, a film like The League, A League of Their Own, the fabulous women's baseball uh, film uh, directed by, by Penny Marshall. And of course, the stories can be broken down to even more elemental or mythical forms such as the journey. Or the hero, um, all those different types of stories. Um, some people say there are only a, a handful of t- story types with any kind of film or novel. Um, when you break them right down to their, their, um, their smallest elements. And the classic ones are the things like the journey and the hero which can be contained within a lot of these examples that I've given you. But um, it's, it's an interesting thing to do to think about the stories and the, and the genres that are contained within the films that you watch and, and break them down and see if you can identify them and, and press the hell of you out of your friends. But that's a really good book, that uh, Robert McKee's story. I definitely recommend. Um, let's move. Let's, let's get out of here now. I think I've spent enough time boring you to death um let's get out of here this has been transition seeker i think i'll stick with that title not transition finder no um but may you all find uh some peace on your journey um and this is russell out have a good one